1: You've already found the best Dolphins coverage in South Florida or anywhere else on three yards per carry. Why not find the best heat coverage, too? Over at 5 on the floor, we give you insider analysis, but also from a fan's perspective. So join myself, Ethan Skolnick, as well as Alex
0: Toledo, Alphonse Sidney, Greg Sylvander, and special guests for all the heat coverage
1: as they make this playoff run in the bubble. You can catch us on all the same podcast feeds that you find three yards per carry and also on our YouTube channel where we've got original shows, streaming shows, commentaries, videos directly from Zoom and the players and much, much more. That's the five on the floor podcast on the five reasons sports network.
2: Let me introduce you to safecubbies.com. SafeCubbies.com offers modular office solutions designed to elevate your office space into a safe, workable, and functional environment. Their cubicles, dividers, and modular workplace systems can be customized with graphic branding, sneeze guards, whiteboards, acrylic sheets, and magnetic panels. Most importantly, most of the surfaces are made of non-porous materials which make for easy cleaning. Adding to their professional series, there are private room solutions as well as their classroom series. SafeCubbies.com is a local company with over 15 years experience working with the nation's leading modular display manufacturers. Give them a call at 754-216-1071 or visit them online at SafeCubbies.com. Once again, that number is 754-216-1071 for SafeCubbies.com. Let me introduce you to another sponsor to the podcast. You brake wheel repair and remanufacturing company. Tired of your wheels? Give your car a new and refreshed look by powder coating them with with a new color. Even make it heat, hurricanes, or dolphin colors. They have 5,000 custom colors to choose from. Wheels faded and scratched? Renew them with our in-house wheel refinishing. They also repair cracked and bent rims while also offering in-home service. They also offer powder coating and full metal refinishing on many other metal items such as outdoor furniture. You Break Wheel Fix has 15 years experience based right here south of Aventura in North Miami. You can check out a gallery of their work at U, the letter U, Break Wheel Fix, on all social media platforms. For information, call 305-748-0112, or you can also visit them on the web at ubreakwheelfix.com. That's the letter U, Break Wheel Fix, dot com. That number again is 305-748-0112.
0: Welcome to 3 Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon.
1: And we're
2: on, and welcome to another edition of 3 Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Artiaga, Simon Clancy is here, Chris Kaufman is here, and this is another disappointing edition of 3 Yards Per Carry because we're going to recap another loss. But had you bet on Miami in this game, you would have won because you would have taken those six points and they covered with the late touchdown. Chris tell the people how they could have made some money on the Dolphins this weekend.
0: That's with my bookie and winning season at returns at my bookie and that's where you can get double your first deposit. Double your first deposit. Get in on the action using promo code 3 yards and uh, and that's how you double your first deposit. New players get up to $1000 in free play. Designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. So uh, get in on MyBookie and remember to use the promo code 3YARDS. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. So your winning season begins today only at MyBookie.
2: Beautiful. Now, I'm going to talk about something that wasn't as beautiful. Simon, uh, I'm going to rattle off some numbers to you and then I'm going to make a plaintiff statement. You ready? Hit me. 18, 14, 16, 47, 46, 26, 46, 38, and then 12. Those are plays that they gave up almost in consecutive order against the Buffalo Bills. Here's my plaintiff's statement. What Sound the like a Lottery fuck? numbers.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, horrendous. Um, given the amount of money that's been spent on the defensive side of the ball, it was horrendous to see, frankly. Um you know, we got gashed last week in the run game. This week we were gashed through the air. Um, you know, it doesn't help when your $80 million cornerback goes down on the third snap of the game. But that's why you have backups. That's why you have first round draft picks. Um, and the team got ruined through the air consistently. Um no pressure on the quarterback at all. And look, people were talking yesterday about pressure, pressure. We can't get, you know, schematically, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. Schematically, mm-hmm. the Dolphins do it slightly differently. You know, um, you know, penetration is different for the Dolphins and the Patriots and teams that start at the Lions stylistically play this way than it is for other teams. But, you know, it doesn't say, that doesn't mean to say you're not still getting after the quarterback. You are, but there is a discipline element to it rather than just, you know, all out pass rush. Um, but the way that they, the way that they rush the passer and certainly the way they they they, they gap as, as interior defensive linemen means that you're essentially setting it up so that you are better on the back end. That's what the strength of the defence or oh, that's what the Belichick defensive strength has always been. And it's clear that that's where Flores is building his strength, but um, it didn't hold muster yesterday it was at times embarrassing frankly some of the tackling as well as was was shambolic and people are saying yesterday I I tweeted yesterday during a very frustrating second quarter that the 2017 the 2019 Dolphins would beat the 2020 Dolphins didn't specify a week um but um and and people were like oh you know that's not true and you know there's been a lot of disruption in the offseason and a a big turnover of play well you know there's been a lot of disruption for for every team in the league you know the green bay packers are the highest scoring team in the league they're 2 and 0 they had a lot of disruption as well you know a lot of player turnover a lot of lot of turmoil um you know the arizona cardinals are 2 and 0 um there's a lot of teams that are 2 and 0 the 49ers are 2 and 0 and they've lost about 93 players so far this season mainly to acl injuries um so you Know what if, if there's an excuse for the dolphins, which is that you know it's been a little tumultuous in the off season and everybody's just getting to know each other a little bit, what's the excuse for the teams that are really good? Yes. Um, you know, because I, I, because it doesn't stack up. Um, I credit Buffalo, I think they're a really good team. I thought Josh Allen probably had his best game as a pro, uh, he made some really good throws that I haven't seen him make in the past, which he always tends to do against the dolphins um Stephon even then Diggs, he probably
2: should have had two interceptions and maybe three yeah
3: i mean stefan Diggs underlined he's one of the top three or four route runners in the nfl um i know i got a valuable lesson but i just thought the dolphins were bad badly coached you know similar mistakes to week one we, we played better in the second half certainly and the offense seemed to to, to be galvanized certainly by mike Gasicki. But it's just disappointing. It's a disappointing loss. And, and I think the most frustrating thing is, the most disappointing thing, is that if we don't beat the Jaguars on Thursday night, I think there's a there's a fairly strong possibility. I'm not saying it will happen. But I think there's a fairly strong possibility this team could go 0-9 to start the season. Because, well... You've got the Jaguars, and we'll talk about them in, 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 the, in the show later in the week, but, you know, that's a team that beat the Indianapolis Colts and then lost to the, to the defeated AFC Championship game team, the Tennessee Titans, by three points. And they were driving down the field at the end to win the game, and Minshew got picked off essentially as the ball got batted in the air ridiculously and was intercepted by Harold Landry. Miami then play the Seahawks one of the best teams in the league with the best quarterback in the NFL at the moment, Russell Wilson, the 49ers, who are still the NF's defending NFC champion. despite although they might injuries.
2: have Elvis Gerback and and I don't know who else playing play by then because well, yeah, nobody in, even, in uniform yet.
3: But even with their backup quarterback, that, who they really like, you know, there's, there's a lot of people in that building that like Nick, um, whatever his second name is. You've got the Denver Malt. Broncos. Obviously, Mullins, thank you, Chris. You've got the Denver Broncos. Potentially with Drew Lockhart, Cortland Sutton, tears the ACL. So there's a potential there, but you've got the Chargers, you've got the Rams, you've got the Cardinals. Dolphins could be 0-9 before they play the Jets, Jets, Bengals, and then bounce back with the Chiefs, the Patriots, the Raiders, and the Bills. I mean, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that if they lose on Thursday night, this team could be in for a really big slide. Because I don't see too many wins coming up between now and taking on the Jets on the 15th of, uh, of November.
2: All right, Chris, were you as discouraged as I was watching big play after big play after big play negate what was actually a pretty decent offensive performance in the second half and what looked like a good team performance, what was coming as a good team performance until Josh Allen decided to just, okay, let me turn it on again in these final six minutes and score two more touchdowns.
0: Yeah, uh, yes and no. Um, so disappointed, of course, come away with the loss and uh, and especially the defense just fall apart the way they did. What I didn't like about this, uh, these two games put together and this game as as well as last one is the lack of resiliency. We talked about last week on offense, uh, Devonte Parker goes out with a hamstring and the Patriots are doing a little bit better job against our ground game than maybe you would have hoped um, based on your game plan. There was no resiliency in dealing with that and you know finding other ways to attack them in response to to these things Devonte goes out you can't hit them with the play action passes to Devonte as much anymore um the running game isn't isn't quite working well fine let's move on to this this and this and and there was there was none of that it was it became very um predictable and and so they they you didn't you didn't see the ability to move on this week Byron Jones goes out with, uh, you know, an injury, four plays in or whatever. And, again, it was the same damn thing, um, you know, because here's here's what you do if Byron Jones comes out. And Byron Jones is supposed to blanket their best receiver, Stephon Diggs, who's one of the best receivers in the league. Mm-hmm. You put the other guy, Xavier Howard, on him, right? Yes, you And, know, and, and, and I mean, this is – I found it shocking. Not
2: to interrupt you, you could go on as soon as I say this. I found it shocking that after the game, they said, "No, oh, uh, Byron Jones was tasked to guard Stephon Diggs the whole game," and then when yeah. he leaves, okay, well, let's just put Noah Benagene on him the whole game.
0: And and you know, I sort of, I sort of get it, but it's still wrong. Like I, I sort yeah. of understand it. Like, hey, Noah was preparing as as the backup and so he should have known Stefan Diggs and, and you know blah blah blah. No, no, that's still wrong because you, you're supposed to show you're supposed to show show some resourcefulness. You've got these two corners, one of whom was the number one corner until Byron Jones came in. And you know, Byron Jones goes out, then you get the other guy on him. And you know, maybe he didn't if he didn't prepare as if he might have to play Stefan Diggs. Then that's a problem with coaching too. So, um, so I, I, you know, the resiliency wasn't there because when Byron Jones comes out, the entire defensive structure fell apart. Because now you have Noah Igmanogne, a rookie in his second pro game. Uh, what is it? Three years since he was playing on on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Um, he's got to he's got to play the one of the best receivers in the league and do it. A Without a pass rush, which means that there's no clock running, mm-hmm. right? And, and B, constantly man to man with no help, so he's just covering the entire field, like especially on those deep crosses that they're playing or that, that they're, they're running. That yeah, ridiculous. I mean, they're, 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 he's just he's just playing a man the whole time, so he's got the entire fucking football field to cover. You know, I put well, a clock on one of those digs. plays,
2: one of those plays, and it reached
0: five point nine seconds. That is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it's absolutely ludicrous, and then that's that's a testament to how badly the pass rush failed um, in this game. And and so you're going to put it on Noah Igmanagene. And I get you know I get it. Like he especially that stutter, that stutter and go, um, big catch that Stefan Diggs had. Um, you know, yeah he he took his he took his lumps as a rookie in his second game. But this was a failure of the coaching staff and a failure of the planning and a, play, a failure of the resiliency and the resourcefulness. And that's the most discouraging thing
1: because, and you know,
0: that these guys should be on top of it. Your players, are what's going to happen to them is going to happen to them. Byron Jones is going to get injured. Devontae uh, Parker is going to come up with a hamstring, et cetera. Your coaches are supposed to be able to, to roll on, and they're supposed to be able to be coaching the players well enough so that they can move on. And, um, and apparently they haven't been. And so that's that's why, you're, that's why you're 0-2 right now, in my opinion. Now, on the other hand, I was encouraged by something. And that is that, you know, the offense clearly got rolling in, um, in this game. And by the end of the game, you know, it was rolling so well that, you know, we'll talk about in, in our next podcast the Jacksonville game. But I'd be surprised if they didn't take a little bit of this momentum, offensive momentum, with them into that game. Mm -hmm. So I'm encouraged – This coming from somebody that expected – prior to the season's start, expected this game to be a loss against the Buffalo Bills because I think they're a really good – they're a pretty good team. Um, Expected this game to be a loss uh, without, you know, any kind of real home field advantage to speak of. Um, I think that – And having thought that this was going to be like a 20-3 to drubbing where the offense wasn't going to come up with anything, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, The fact that the offense came up the way they did after stinking basically in the first half, but then kind of coming on strong in the second half, I'm a little bit surprised by that on on the upside. I'm a little surprised by and and encouraged by what Mike Gasicki did. I was a little surprised and encouraged by what – um, some of the running backs did, especially Matt Breida, who I think was all right in the first game, actually, and Miles Gaskin mm-hmm. was all right in the first game, and I think, I think they're kind of adapting a little bit on, with the running backs, and that's encouraging. Um, I thought that uh, Chan Gailey, you know, started to hit his stride a little bit in the second half. I don't know whether that's you know something that can carry forward or not but um but there was there were things this wasn't supposed to be in my opinion a close game and they ended up making it a close game and so i it's hard not to be at least somewhat encouraged by that
2: yeah and we're gonna get into some of the positives from this game which there were few none on the defensive side i would say but let me ask you it's true (laughs) yeah i can't i couldn't find one on the defensive side but we're gonna continue to to talk about on the nick
0: defensive team. side it's pass rush it's the fa- it's pass rush and the fact that you had to rely on nick needham and noah igman agony mm-hmm. and that's it and that's that, that's probably the long and short of it in, in my opinion and how
2: many times um, and how many times not to get off track but how many times do you drop an interception like Xavier hmm. howard did and it oh, well, yeah. comes back to haunt you
0: oh yeah it always, it always does but you know I, I don't know there's the reason these guys play db and drop <laughs> yes. it it drives you nuts i get it but you know, dropped interceptions happen all the time. I was watching the, the you know, because we're going to talk about the Jags later. <laughs> you know, how many interceptions did Gardner Minshew have that should have had in that game? I mean, it was, it was, it was quite a bit, uh, quite a few. So, uh, know, you know.
3: I know it sounds trite, but I, I think that something you can take away from it defensively is that for, for Benogane, who, who clearly looks like in a couple of seasons, he's going to be potentially an elite NFL cornerback. Um I think the learning experience from Sunday will help him dramatically. You know, he yeah. was interesting listening to him after the game, talking about, you know, he, he knew where he made mistakes. He knew that Stefan Diggs was one of the best receivers in the NFL, you know, and he got shown why that was. Such a nuanced route runner. Um, you know, if you're going to take away some upside from that defensive performance, you you look at some of the learning experiences of playing guys like that. Um, I, I, and I think that's probably what you can take for it in terms of the kind of the, I don't know, the the basic success or failures of, of Sunday. There were very few, but I think if you're going to look at it in a long-term project style, then getting Iqbal on the field for 57 snaps as he was mm. and and putting him out there on, on that island because he was very much on an island for a lot of the... I, I, I think Eric Rowe has played really well for two games. I will say that yeah. much um i think he's done an Christian, wilkins, uh,
2: Christian wilkins was was decent
3: yeah i i, I, I think it, uh, it was disab- I, I to be honest i was disappointed in wilkins given the game he had against the patriots i was hoping he carried that through and he didn't and that i thought that was a bit of a shame i i think that the the, the real issue has been the money that's been spent on ogre and lawson and they're not Bringing a great deal of anything to the table, neither in the run game or in that pre- those pressure packages that you'd expect them to do, and that that's got to be a worry for the yeah, Dolphins, I think. I agree.
2: Yeah, and uh, I ran the numbers a little earlier. I just did an overview on the on the game this afternoon, and of the eleven incompletions that Josh Allen had, nine he was hurried or pressured on, and of those nine, seven were blitzes. Okay, mm-hmm. so obviously. The the coverages that were playing were working if you could get to the quarterback within three seconds. But sometimes having Noi Bonagane out there, you know, trying to cover Stefan Diggs for in excess of five seconds on one time, one time. And that's
3: what what he said. He said after the game that he'd never, ever at any level of football had he ever played a game where he was asked to defend a, a player in man coverage for such a long period of time. Yeah. He said there would be times where you'd think, you know, the quarterback could almost make two throws before he before Alan was being able to make one. I mean (laughs) How embarrassing is that? (laughs) I mean it's horrendous, isn't it? It's 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 horrendous. horrendous. It's horrendous. Josh Josh was able to stand back there in the pocket and pretty much do what he wanted because he had you know the threat was there. And if you're if you're Sean McDermott and if you're Uh, Brian Dable, you're going to be looking at 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 Dolphins film from the week before and seeing what Cam Newton did to the Dolphins and thinking, Josh is going to have 150 yards rushing in this game. And actually, he didn't need to. He he didn't run hardly at all. Apart from that one run where we missed about 70 tackles and he almost got the first down. I can't think of any other plays where he ran. Well, the Dolphins
2: used uh, Jerome Baker a lot as a spy uh, when they didn't before.
0: I mean, he, he beat us. He beat us that by throwing the ball all over us. I mean, that's what the, and, and it was, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I know that we're owing to and everything is falling apart and and it sucks and life sucks. But, you know, we just faced two quarterbacks in a row that can beat you, uh, you know, multiple ways. And so the, the pass rush was horrendous and there's no excuse for just how bad it was, but it, it was also going to look, I mean, if you had to pick the games in the season, when it's going to look the worst, when the pass rush is going to look the worst it's against um, it's against quarterbacks like, uh, like Cam Newton and Josh Allen. Um, And maybe, you know, when we go fast forward a week and Russell Wilson comes in uh, as well, you know, that's going to be him too. And then Kyler Murray. So I guess it just doesn't stop. But, um, but I, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's tough. It's tough pass rushing guys that can really, really hurt you with their legs like that. And, um, and that's, I think what they took from the, what Cam Newton did to them in the first week was trying to stay extremely disciplined against Josh Allen. And, and so we zigged and, and they zagged, they, they, they just were like, you know, okay, well we're just going to beat you through the air because you're keeping you got a rookie corner in a second game against one of the best route runners in the league out there just, you know, trying to cover the entire fucking field for an, enough time to read, you know, uh, to read a, a book. <laughs> yeah. So, so they beat it, you know, they beat us through the air that way. And, um, and so going forward, hopefully it's going to look a little bit better when some of the quarterbacks can't. Do the same thing those guys can but then again we're gonna face some more quarterbacks that can so
2: they have to. yeah they just need a better plan and and you kind of saw what the plan was against cam newton last night which was just score a pile of points and that way that zone read game goes out the window and even then they used it in the red zone to great success until it wasn't no good at the end when they ran power and he got stopped at the one one yard line but you saw what Canyon did last night. They, you know, they fell behind. He threw for 420-something yards. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they have things still in their bag. But, you know, everything has to start with the offense. And I think that they wasted a good opportunity in this one because their offense, I thought, ask, well enough to win.
3: Can I ask a random question? Because you guys live there. Mm-hmm. Um And I'm trying to think of reasons why we've been historically. Noah Igbenogne was 13 months old the last time the Dolphins won a playoff game. Um, That should tell you everything. 13 months, not 13 years. Um, And I'm just trying to think historically why we've been shit. You know, and, and personnel decisions and bad coaching and things obviously play into it. How much does heat play into it? How much does the weather play into the fact that the Dolphins have historically not been as good a team as they should have been? It, does that have anything to do with it i know we always talk about the, the the advantage of heat because teams are coming down but when you're playing in that all the time do, does that cause the injuries that we seem to get to key players at, at critical times does that have play into it at all or is that just uh is, is that just excuse making for excuse making excuse making's sake
2: uh it could be there could be some merit to it because Uh, If you remember the Shula years in the 90s and in the 80s, uh, a lot of those Dolphin teams were pretty damn good teams that were pretty well thought of before the season. And every single one of those teams used to fade in December. And And everybody attributed to the ridiculous practices that Shula had in training camp and during the season. So they would attribute it to dead legs and just generally being tired toward the end of the year. Same thing for Jimmy Johnson. But I don't know if it applies today, you know, in today's day and age. I'll tell you one thing. The Buffalo Bills got Mm. so lucky with the weather on Sunday because they got the most pleasant weather imaginable. They got intermittent showers. So it's like, okay, it's hot. But but here, take some nice little mist for you for like five minutes. You know what I mean? So you can cool off. And it was constant, all, all game. So, you know, the Bills never really got to feel that heat that we usually
0: have down here. I, I think it's the opposite i think I think it's the opposite. I think the heat has is a help has always been a help early in the season and it's probably made many of the teams that, that we've had over the years look better than they really are um, the, or that than they really were and so of course when when they start losing down the stretch and they don't have that heat advantage um, helping them out uh, then it's it's called you know it's called a fade down the stretch and it's um you know and then we start to wonder if the heat somehow you know stole our legs or something like that I I think in actuality early in the season and those September home games I mean it's it is it is demonstrated and well evidenced how how much other teams struggle when they when they come in and they're trying to deal with that heat and humidity I mean you see we've seen games where pretty much every single player on the other side is cramping and going out with cramps and um and you know you can you can point to a lot to say that the Miami Dolphins have over the decades benefited strongly from the September and October uh early heat games Mm -hmm. and um and then the you know what's the flip side of that is like oh it made you look a little bit better than you were and so the second half of the season when you do the losing that you probably should have been doing the whole time um you know it looks it looks like you're fading uh and i think that i don't want to bail out the you know horrific decisions that the team has made over the last decades that got us here (laughs) and that's i mean and there have been horrific decisions there have been all-time remembered in NFL history horrific decisions uh, that, have got, that have contributed to, to getting us here. And hopefully, hopefully, you know, our hope is that the Dolphins just had something go incredibly right in this draft. Uh, at the number five pick and and you know we can start getting things moving in the other direction and, and maybe you know tack on a little bit of hopefulness about Brian Flores too although he's got a you know his coaching staff has to coach better than they did in these two games, that's for sure. Um yeah. so I no, I, I don't buy it like at all. Like not even a little bit about the the heat having something to do with um with Miami, you know, losing and, and being being bad or being worse than they should be.
2: Yeah, and oddly enough, the last two good Dolphin teams were 08 and 16, and both those teams started off like crap and finished off strong. So, you know, but yeah, the the weather was, you know, it was was perfect weather for the Bills yesterday. They just, you know, it was a cool day. It was cool, you know. It was hot, but then you get rained on for, for five minutes, and it's a misty, this misty type of rain. You know, you're comfortable all game, and they sure as hell looked it. And then they got a break. In in the middle of third quarter. Well,
0: yeah, that's that's the uh, key. We we got a nice lightning break and and it helped. I mean, all of a sudden, both offenses start start really lighting up there, um, afterwards. And yeah, because so, that game was
2: in the mud at that point. Uh, Devontae had just mm. caught a twenty yard pass, and it looked like the Dolphins were going to get something going. The score was seventeen to ten, I believe, at that point. Mm. And uh, you could see it like you can see it, both offenses were kind of in the mud for three possessions and then all of a sudden they come back from the break and it's, you know, touchdowns all over the place. Now let's briefly touch on the positive and they were all on offense I would say. Two things Simon. Uh, Devontae Parker today was asked, why did he play? And he said, I'm not missing any more games. (laughs) That has to be a positive. He also played well I thought. Five for 53 on eight targets, a touchdown. But Mike Gasecki. Oh boy! Is, has he has he arrived? Did we hit finally, Simon?
3: Yeah, I mean I, I, the Parker thing. I, I mean, if we're talking five catches for fifty odd yards, is impressive. Then we need to seriously. <laughs>
2: well, look who, look mean, who we shadowed him. You know
3: that. I, I well, agree but with that. even so, I mean, and that's not strictly true either. Tredavious White switched to Mike Gesicki. For a significant portion of the game, I mean, uh, Devonte Parker needs to be needs to step up his game and stay healthy. We we cannot continue to you know Devontae Parker is essentially living off one good game at the end of the season where Stefan Gilmore was protecting himself for the uh, for the playoffs. Mm. Uh, you know, I saw Dolphins fans you know tweeting uh, about how Gilmore shouldn't have won defensive you know Player of the Year because because Devonte had you know 100 and some odd yards in the final game of the I mean come on get over yourselves that's the biggest victory we can take from from last season is it I mean this kid needs to be you know you look at a guy like DK Metcalf last night you look at Julian Edelman you look at proper Mm big-time receivers He's one of the most inconsistent players the Dolphins have had he's got so much natural talent yeah he can't get he can't get open consistently he can't consistently week in and week out play to the level that you'd expect him to do um so until he consistently performs like the receiver that he should be then you know let's not let let's not waste any more energy on him mike Gasicki, on the other hand arrow very i mean i thought arrow was up last year anyway he has got ridiculously strong hands he must have the strongest hands of almost any receiver i mean he makes so many contested catches and sort of reaching grabbing catches where he, you think he he's going to have the ball knocked out of his hand or he's going to you know I thought he was brilliant. I mean, he had a couple of really great blocks as well on He had a great block um, in the third quarter on a run play that was essentially pulled back because Parker ironically uh, got a block in the back on, um, on Micah Uh, Hyde. He absolutely uh, crushed someone. Yeah, it was, it was, there was no excuse for that.
0: There was no planet that was where you're not going to get called for that. I mean,
3: it's just unbelievable. It was, horrendous, but I thought, I thought Gasicki was, and it just, you know, he should be having, he should be doing that every week. He's, he consistently can get open against linebackers. He consistently can get open against safeties. And let's be honest. He consistently got open against probably the second or third best corner in the NFL in Trudavious White. Throw him the ball. He should be the lead part of that offense. He gets Mm -hmm. open. You can throw the ball up in the air. He'll go up and get it. You know, he can make short, medium interim, um, short, medium, and sort of, Medium slash deep receptions. Three, you can throw to him down the sideline. I think he's a, he's developing into one of the the best young tight ends in the NFL. I don't think that's any stretch to say that Gesicki is now probably a top six, top eight tight end in the NFL, uh, and he's only getting better. And he's only getting better actually in in both aspects of the game. His blocking is much improved, but he could be a monster in the past game. I think he, I think he was superb. Yeah,
2: Chris, I would say another. Another spot that I guess you could take solace in is that they tried to improve the running game over an off season. Mission accomplished.
1: It's oh, okay. Better than so, what they
2: had for sure. But I I love what Solomon McKinley's doing, and except for Jordan Howard, uh, yeah. Matt Breda and Miles Gaskin look like they have some some giddy up. They're hitting the hole hard. They're getting yards after after contact.
3: Gordon was, Howard's actually perfect. having a statistically worse season than
2: Killing Balage. Howard's
3: having a st- yeah than Caleb <laughs> Balage. He's he's got thirteen carries for eleven yards. I think Balage had a better, <laughs> um, which is uh, it's astonishing.
0: That is that is astonishing. <laughs> I'm gonna
3: sit. I'm actually but, gonna sit here and just go while you talk. I'm gonna go through the first two games of last season and look at Balage's stats and see who's doing worse. Wow.
0: <laughs>
2: so Chris, um, some am really couple 99 yards on four and a half yards per carry when they were behind and playing a little bit nervous. I thought it was part of their offense.
0: I thought it was good. I thought it was, you know, it it looked competent. I th- so a couple of clean up points. First, you said, you know, there's nothing to take away from defense. I actually did take a couple of things away from defense and that's Eric Rowe and uh, Kyle Van Noy. I like how they're playing right now. I don't think Jerome yeah. Baker's playing bad football right now either. I think that there's, um, there's some encouraging things uh, from this game, from a Raekwon Davis and, you know, so, so there's, there's some stuff there um, on, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, so let's, let's get that out of the way. Second, um you know getting to the to the mike Gesicki thing just two things two two quick things to point out is is one um you know think about what he did in that first training camp when he was here and the yes. old you know the old adage if they don't bite his puppies then they you know they don't bite mm-hmm. um you know he 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 really he really had some moments in that training camp i mean when when it looked like he was he was able to moss these people and and stuff like that. So it's it's nice to see that that it's working out. Um, the the is second thing, Chris, Mike Kosicki. Oh yeah, yeah. It's nice to see that that's working out in the second year when he's you know no longer a rookie. It was working out late in the, late in the year. The second thing about Mike Kosicki is is you know is the arrow really pointing up? Is it just a game or two? Um, I say yes, because look at his blocking. And I think that it's on a a completely different level than what it was last year and what it was in college when, you know, he was basically just panned and made fun of constantly for his blocking. Um, I think that he's doing a lot better job there. Now to get to your point about the ground game, you know, what do you take from this? I take what I've taken from both weeks is a Jordan Howard. That's just not working right now. And, you know, maybe they figure out how to make that work. B. Um, they, they pass to open up the run and, and that's, that's what I've seen in the last two weeks is that they need to pass in order to open up the run, not the other way around. Um, or at least there are times in the game, the game, when it seems like they have to do that, they've clearly found something with, uh, miles Gaskin, uh, two weeks in a row, he's shown a little bit of things, but they have clearly also found something with Matt Breda, uh, two weeks in a row. We've seen that he runs well um in this in this good offense player. yeah he's a good player i think that i think that there's there's meat on the bone there they can explore that further uh because he is he has great speed if he you know if he bounces it outside um you never know he can take it to the house he and runs with also, some attitude
2: too i didn't expect that and he, he runs also, with
0: attitude put him in the passing game. Miles Gaskin has not been succeeding in the passing game. Um, So Matt Breda can, can do that. So, so yeah, they, they can, they can continue to work on the ground game, but I think that um, for the most part, it seems like a pass to open up the run thing. Uh, However, there were points, and this is where I'd really take some, some positives from this game. There were points where we, we lined up all the heavies and, you know, we're just going to knock you off the ball and, and do that. And traditionally in Miami, when we do that, that's just bad news. You know, you, mm-hmm. you're giving – if you're giving away to the, to the defense what we're going to do and, you know, just line up and, and, and do it, um, our offensive line loses every time. And, and this game, there were a couple of those moments, and we just beat them anyway. And it took some patience by the running back to let the blocks develop but the blocks were holding, you know, the tight ends were holding their blocks and the, the guards and the interior linemen and, you know, the tackles were holding their blocks. And so that's where you find that little crease that you didn't think was there. And that's just because everybody's holding their block and the and the running back is being patient enough to actually, you know, wait and see it and, and run right through it. So, I took a lot of encouragement from that in particular in the ground game. And I think that, you know, we talk about Solomon Kinley, Austin Jackson doing better than, than maybe we would have even expected um, right away as rookies. I think that Eric flowers has not I think flowers been, is playing well. Yes. Yeah. He's not been the bad flowers that we've talked about in the past. No. He's, he's playing a lot more like the good flowers um, you know, Jesse Davis, he might not be long for this line. I think Robert Hunt eventually – I think they all want Robert Hunt eventually in I there, right?
3: I Davis think. is struggling big time. And-
0: he is. He is. He's not – he looks average he, or or maybe slightly below average. That's, that's what he is uh, as far mm-hmm. as a, a right tackle is concerned. Um, Robert Hunt eventually will be replacing him, and we know that eventually you're going to have to get a – uh, a higher profile center in that position than, than Ted Karras. But, um, but yeah, I took some real encouragement from that offensive line and mm. what they could do against a, a good Buffalo front, because when we started to turn it around, I saw the offensive line kind of leading the way. And, um, and that's really, that's really encouraging and, and we'll see if they can continue it now.
3: So I've got the results of our running back. Uh, what's the word for omni shambles? Omni shambles is probably the right word. Running back, Omni shambles. The Jordan Howard versus Kalen uh, Bellage off, if you like. Howard, 13 carries, a whopping 11 yards, uh, a breathtaking 0.8 yards per carry. Are we going mm-hmm. higher or lower for Bellage over the first two games of last season? I'm going to go
0: higher. I'm gonna go with Alf? Fingers. I mean, Alf, you're going to
3: go higher because you're, you're
0: you know, he you ran tried for about 379 Ballage, and so yards, right? In, the front in, his, in his
3: mind. I don't think he ran for 379 inches, <laughs> let alone yards. So here we are. So Howard, 13 carries, 11 yards, 0.8 yards per carry. Would you believe that Caleb Bellage had nine carries for five yards at 0.5 <laughs> <laughs> yards per carry? <laughs> Astonishingly. Yes. Jordan Howard's historically bad start to the season is actually a good start to the season when compared with Caleb Bellage's absolute shit show of a 2019. Let be yep. fair to Jordan
0: for just one moment in that saying that probably how many of his carries have been like goal line or very short yardage? Like probably, yeah. probably half of
3: them. of them, right? He gets the first carry of the game, any goal line stuff, and that's it. Yeah. And
0: that's basically <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a raw deal if you're Jordan Howard. But at the same time, I think that's pretty much all he can do.
2: Hey, but to be fair, if I told you before the season that he was going to have 16 touchdowns this season because that's what he's averaging, that's what he's heading yeah. right now, yeah, would you be you happy with,
0: with that?
3: Fantasy? Would you say, What wow. do you do in
0: fantasy? Do you do you play Jordan Howard? No.
3: <laughs> no. no. I mean, Kalen bellage has, be has got to be looking at that thinking, Howard is shit, man. <laughs> he's better than me.
2: Well, that is it. it. That was your recap of the week two loss to the Buffalo Bills. The next time we talk to you, we will preview Jaguars Thursday night football. Can they get a win? They better. But till then.
0: Thanks for listening to three yards per caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes on Podbean or your usual podcast provider.